My guest today is Chris Kampitsis, a certified financial planner who provides his clients with holistic financial planning as the co-founder of SKG Team from within the Barnum Financial Group. Chris works closely with business owners on their personal and professional planning. He also focuses on educating individuals through financial literacy workshops inside of Fortune 500 institutions and other large corporations. We're going to talk today about Chris's journey from his beginning as a financial professional to his current success as an entrepreneur and a leader of the next generation of financial planners. If you're just starting out, this is an episode you cannot miss. I'm Paul Blanco, and this is Small Steps, Big Wins. All right. Good morning, Chris. Welcome to the show. I'm really excited about having you today. And, uh, you know, I'm so proud of what you've accomplished in your career. I'm really excited about sharing with the listeners your journey, where you are, where you are, and then where you're going. So welcome. Paul, I'm very, very excited to be here. I look forward to uh, giving a big contribution to this growing podcast series here. Thank you. Thank you. So, Chris, you know, I guess let's start with the beginning. Like, how did you decide to come in this career? When I look at Barnum and I look at the industry, a lot of people come in right out of college or then there's people that have, you know, major career changes, like they're 30, 40 years in one career and they make the switch, but you were kind of in the middle of that. So why don't you kind of share with us how you get started and, uh, you know, in the career? Uh, yeah, you're exactly right. So my story is probably a little bit different than most in that I ended up going back to school a little bit later in life. I was out in the workforce and I realized I wanted to make a change, wanted to better my situation and, and better that of my family. And so I went back to school ultimately with the intention of getting my degree in business and entering a, a career in finance. It was during that time, 2008, I had an internship lined up at a a large asset manager, and I was going to be doing a, a marketing role there. And all of a sudden layoffs were happening all over Wall Street and I couldn't get anyone to return my phone call for my first day at work. Wow. And so then I ended up finding an internship at a wirehouse in Greenwich. And I remember uh, sitting down with the advisor there and he said, he looked at my resume, he said, are you making this up? And I said, no, what do you mean? He goes, you're going to school. You're working a full-time job. You have a part-time job on the weekend. Like, is this fake? I go, no. He goes, I'll have you come in for an internship, but I can't pay you. And if you end up graduating, you're probably not going to succeed here, but I can try to find you a job somewhere else. Wow. So at the same time, uh, through the job board at the college at Fordham, Barnum Financial Group was posting that they were looking for graduates to enter a career as uh, financial planners. And I'd gone through this interview process and I was like, what's Barnum Financial Group? You know, uh, never heard of them in, in New York at the time. It just wasn't, wasn't a brand name. And I had a conversation with one of my professors and he said to me, with what's going on in the world of investments right now, stock markets crashing every day, you don't want to go to a wirehouse. 
you want to be somewhere where you can do holistic financial planning wow. that you can help people with just besides with things besides just stocks and bonds. Um, well, wow, that so, professor was ahead of his time. I love that. I wish they were all like that. He was ahead of his time. And uh, I took that advice to heart, had the opportunity through our selection committee to eventually get offered a position. And that's how I came to Barnum Financial Group. Wow. That's amazing. I didn't know the part about the professor. So I, I love that you shared that. And uh, I got to get his name later and send him a thank you. So let's, uh, so you get into the business and you have all these great intentions. And obviously you had some of the intangibles already, like what that guy saw on the resume was the work habits, which we always say that, you know, hard work usually outperforms talent. If you have talent and hard work together, obviously what you do is uh, helps you to be successful way faster than other people. But right off the gate, you did not get off to that rocket start. You got off to a good start. But why don't you talk about what happened and how that was? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the first thing that I did when I started my journey at Barnum, I had to take some time for self-reflection. And I thought about what were some of the things I had done in the past that prevented me from succeeding. So for example, I thought about, I, you know, I've shared with you while I was in school, I spent time at Nordstrom in shoes and clothing. And, you know, I, I thought about, it, I said, Hey, I, you know, I was at Nordstrom full time in school for four years and then part time for another four years. So about eight years there. Wow. And I look at other people. If I worked as hard as possible over that eight year period, I could have been promoted to an assistant manager. I could have been promoted to a manager. Maybe I could have managed a store. Maybe I could have gotten promoted to, you know, working as a buyer, for example. If I really put everything into it, the fact that I didn't have, uh, I wasn't able to go to college at that time financially or anything else, that shouldn't have stopped me if I put in 100% effort. Okay. So I had to be accountable to the fact that there were things that I weren't doing to go the extra mile. I love that. So basically what you did was you, you were in, you know, we talk about going up this mountain and eventually you have a six cylinder, you maybe only get so far, then it's an eight, then you maybe you need a 12. So you were in between that six and eight and you really looked back and said, if I'm coming into this career, I'm going to become a 12 and I'm going to just control my own destiny with the way I bring it to each day to the work. Yeah. And, and I didn't have a choice, right? I had invested so much time and effort just to get this opportunity. Now I was at this place where, you know, one of the things I remember the first time that I came to a kickoff meeting, um, or it was a, I guess it would have been a mid-year meeting perhaps at the time before I was actually hired and through selection. And I remember you coming up and speaking and just talking about your vision uh, for the firm and talking really to the collective group of advisors about setting goals. And we would write down what our goal was as we were leaving the meeting for that year, what we were trying to achieve. And I had never been exposed to 
positive mental attitude like that. I had never been exposed to someone saying, Hey, if you have a goal, you can achieve it. It just wasn't around me. You know that I'm not very good at sports. <laughs> so I wasn't going to go there. Tonight. Listen, you, you, <laughs> you don't want, you don't want me throwing a, a football with one play to go to win the Super Bowl. That's for sure. So, you know, I never had been around experiencing winning and experiencing success. And so when I saw that it was possible that you could do anything you set your mind to, and there's an environment that supported and encouraged that, then it's on me. You know, what are the things I have to do? Because I may not get a second chance in life to make this happen. It's awesome. So, so now fast forward, you start out and you hit some obstacles in the beginning. Definitely. Obstacle number one is who wants to take financial advice from somebody first day on the job as a financial advisor? So let me ask you about that. And I want to dig in a little bit on that. So you have this mental attitude, you know, that you control your own destiny from how you work. You understand that what's possible, right? So now is that more in your mind or did you actually experience that when you got in front of clients? So, you know, I think what was interesting when I sat down with people um, was there's a good percentage of population of people who really are just looking for some guidance. Finances are not their forte. They're not comfortable necessarily with investing. They don't know how to set goals for themselves and then actually achieve them. And if you can really be a shepherd for them, if you can hold their hand, you can point them in the right direction and you're coming from it from a genuine place, experience matters a lot less and intention and having resources, having people on your team that you can bring in who can help to solve the issues that they're facing uh, becomes really, really, really important. It's awesome. So what else? Was there any other obstacles? A lot of obstacles. So, um, you know, when you're starting off in this industry and it, and it's different now, uh, maybe a little bit than it was then, but finances are an obstacle because if you don't have a, a large number of clients, et cetera, your, your income is uneven. Your cash flow isn't steady. Um, and so you have to kind of figure that out and, and get through that. So my partner, Ben, who I think you, you, you spoke with previously, yeah. uh, he used to, he used to joke about how I was, uh, eating my meals from a gas station because I was on the road all the time, you know, going wherever the clients were. And so dinner was stopping at the mobile or the Exxon grabbing a protein bar and a diet Mountain Dew and that's dinner, you know? So he would laugh at me and, and we would joke about that. And, you know, just juggling your finances, getting through that period, which is great because that's an important skill set required to be a successful financial advisor and financial planner. If you can do that and demonstrate that, you become that much more valuable to, to clients. That's awesome. So <clears throat> when, I, uh, when I think about your journey, you know, you're 15 years in now. But going backwards, was there a turning point 
in your career? And was there one thing that happened? Was it three things? Like, what was that turning point where you said, like, I talk about all the time in anything you're doing, could be sports. It could be business where at some point it clicks and you, you say, holy mackerel, I get this. I know what I have to do. So you're doing, you're on this journey. What, what, was there a turning point? I think there were a few turning points. Yeah. So probably three come to mind. Okay. The first was meeting Ben and, you know, our New York office was small. We were just getting started and I was really looking for a mentor that I could work with on a regular basis. And Ben grew up in New Rochelle and he was, you know, commuting up to Shelton at the time. And so he would start to use the New York office more and more and, you know, introducing myself to him, getting to know him and then taking him out to, to visit uh, a future client together and then being able to learn from him was a very big deal for me. Yeah. And Ben and Ben Sacadato was basically in the business at that point, probably about four or five years. Yes. Yeah. So he wasn't like 20 year veteran, but he was someone that was performing at a high level and you were attracted to that. And he was willing to give you the time, not just to do joint work, but he was truly filling that space as a mentor, which is really awesome. Absolutely. And I asked myself, Hey, if I didn't meet him and I didn't make the step to ask for help and to introduce myself, because that's not easy to do. Sure. You know, would I still be in, in the business? I think I would have figured it out one way or another, but it dramatically accelerated my evolution and I'm profoundly grateful. Great. So awesome. That's number one. So that's, that's number one. two. Number two would be, and it wasn't so much so at the time, but you shared a story with me about one time that I made an appointment. I hadn't been very successful to that point. You know, I grabbed time on your calendar. I came to your office and I shared my business plan, my vision of where I think I, I could take my practice. And that kind of goes back to that self-reflection I, I talked about earlier, where one of the things I, I self-reflected on and that I was had done wrong over my life to that point was that I hadn't shared and vocalized what my goals were with people. Yep. Because right. you're so afraid if number one, you think people don't care. Number two, you're afraid once you put it out there, if you don't achieve it, you're a failure. So asking for help and letting people know this is what I want and what will it take for me to achieve it repeatedly is an incredible necessary ingredient in success. Yeah. And I, I um, it's amazing, Chris, that's such a great tip that you're giving to everyone. I mean, if you're driving, write that down, guys, like I think you should share from the rooftops and it does, it also gives you an, an additional layer besides the help, it gives you an additional layer of accountability. And now you have an army of people that are on your team, but you don't want to let those people down that you care about so much too. So Love that, Chris. We were we were together a couple of weeks ago and your wife shared a story where you were at a, a company meeting and you and you turned over to her and you said, we're going to be the number one firm in the country one day. And she goes, but Paul, you don't even have a firm yet. <laughs> right. True story. So, I mean, that's just another example of that. 
not being afraid to put it out there, what your goals are. And ultimately, if you put it out there in the universe, it will come back to you with hard work. Yeah. And it took 10 years though, but it was a 10 years of uh, staying on that journey and not ever forgetting that conversation. So again, what's number three? Number three was the first client who really took a chance on me. Not literally my first client, but the the first sort of uh, high net worth client with a complex situation, really in-depth financial planning. Uh, this person uh, ran and runs a, a hedge fund, so knows knows his way around uh, investments, certainly. And he was going through a change in his life um, through a divorce. And that was something that I could identify with because I had experienced that with my parents growing up and he was really trying to prepare for his life and that of his future exes post-divorce. And if you know anyone who's going through this, you know, it, it kind of also puts a financial pause until you get through some of the emotional and legal hurdles. You can't really make a lot of adjustments. It's very, very difficult. So it was important for me to be patient, to, you know, be in touch to provide value. And then ultimately, uh, he placed his trust in me and executing on the recommendations that, that I laid out for him, which have been very, very successful. He's still a client all these years later Been working together now for about uh, 13 years. And if he didn't give me that opportunity, uh, I don't know that I would have had the confidence that came from that to have those conversations with people in his financial uh, position and be able to say to them, this is what you need to do. And in, in a way, obviously, that is is respectful and friendly. But sometimes as a financial planner, you have to have tough conversations with your clients, especially when it's something that is so clearly uh, in their best interest. I love it. I mean, and it's amazing that you have these three situations and I'm sure there's many more, but those three have been so critical to your success. So Chris, let's fast forward now, like 15 years later, you have four partners on your team, you know, Ben, who you spoke about earlier, Anthony and Ken and 11 total of 11 advisors, probably 15 plus staff. And you guys are literally if not the top team in the industry, but you're in the top half a percent of the whole industry from a kid that, you know, was working three jobs and someone told them they couldn't hire him. And then the professor that told you to go into this business, these three things that you ran through. So you fast forward and now you are a mentor to many, but people look up to you today as a leader in this industry. So tell me about, you know, after those turning points, like, how are you feeling about that? Like, where are you mentally now? What has changed? And, you know, what's the future? So I jumped around a little bit. Give me, start somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. You, you know, they don't really explain to you coming into this industry. They mention it, but this is a very entrepreneurial industry. Every advisor has different target markets. Uh, different marketing strategies they use to grow their business. And ultimately, if they're good at 
growing a business, they have to manage and run a business. So you have the practice of financial planning, financial advice, and wealth management. And then you have the business of running a financial planning and wealth management firm. Yeah. So let's pause there for a second. So what you're saying is to break through, one of the things you have to do is not just be a good planner slash advisor, but you also have to have an appetite to run a business because you're going to keep staff and people like that. So keep going. Yeah. If you, if you really want to achieve your potential, you have to have that appetite to run the business. Great. And what's exciting about that is running a business is not that different than a business case study that you might have done in school or a business case study that you might read about in HBR or, uh, you know, on some website or hear about on a podcast you have to have a business plan. You have to execute on your business plan. You have to review that plan and hold yourself accountable. And then you have to shift. And then there's going to be these little things that come up that are always completely unexpected. And you have to be able to pivot, you know, take a step back, think, and then take, take action using the information that you have plus your intuition. Yep. Great. And it's, it's a lot of fun and it's, it's very different than the practice of financial planning, but there's so much in terms of overlapping skill sets, because if you can run a good business, chances are you're probably a pretty powerful and phenomenal financial planner, and you can add a tremendous amount of value to your clients. If you're a client, Would you want to take advice from someone who can grow and run a tremendously successful business? Or would you want to work with someone who couldn't do that? Right. No one's going to pick the latter. So it's, it's such an important parallel skill set and it brings with it an enormous amount of rewards because you don't realize the high that you get from seeing other people achieve their goals and knowing the small role that you play in that. Love it. Love it. What else? So, I mean, like I look at you today and I would say that, you know, you start this journey in this business and they give you a success formula and everyone's different, but they tell you to see, you know, 15 people, you know, 10 are going to meet with you. book 15, see 10, you're going to sell a couple of them. But today when I fast forward, with the use of technology, digital, after what happened in the you know pandemic, and the world has changed dramatically, but you're probably now in front of, you know, you're managing 30 or 40 clients a week. And what is it like today? And you've you've taken this business and now you've become that financial doctor where You've basically have built people around you to help you with everything else, but the advice. And I know I'm simplifying that, but you have to run the business and do that. But tell me what it's like today. It's really exciting. It's, you know, time is our most valuable asset, right? You hear that a lot, I suppose, if, if you follow 
business podcasts, right? That's the one thing you can't get back. Yeah. And the reality is the era of a client, you know, getting dressed, getting in their car, going to their financial advisor's office, going home. Hopefully they don't get stuck in traffic each way. Then they have to figure out what they want to do for dinner and take care of all the things, uh, you know, other things that they had to do with their day. That is, you know, that steals a lot of time. And we realized on our team about late 2018 that, you know, screen sharing and going digital was, was the future of this industry. So prior to COVID, we were at a place where probably a third to 50% of our meetings had migrated to screen sharing platforms, Zoom, Teams, WebEx, whatever the case may be. Post-COVID, it led to us basically going 99.9% uh, through, through that. And that's really transformed our clients' lives, and it's allowed us to get a lot more efficient. Uh, it also makes those times when we do get together with our clients to be extra special and meaningful. And what ends up happening is we don't talk about portfolios and, and cash flow, but we just catch up on, e on each other's lives in, in a way that really deepens uh, the relationship. Yeah. But you were doing all that stuff in the meetings that you had throughout the year. And now you're just, it's really just continue to build that relationship. So let's, you know, if I'm sitting here listening and I'm new to this business or I'm in this business and I'm kind of stuck like you were five years ago, five years into the business, you know, you talked about your three things, but when we talk about the success formula, like how do you get in front of so many clients and how did you do that, you know, five years ago? And what has that led to today in terms of that? Because someone's sitting there saying, holy mackerel, I want to be at the top half a percent, quarter of a percent of the industry. I want to have this huge team, but you know, it's the chicken and the egg in this business. Yeah. So you have to have a marketing game plan. Oh, one thing about Barnum that I believe is a huge differentiator versus the industry is you can come here and really execute on a marketing game plan. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. They have lots of great programs that they're tapped into through their corporate relationships that allow you to get in front of people on a favorable basis and almost immediately make a positive impact in their lives. And that's amazing. So you need a marketing game plan one way or another. You need to have your target markets. You need to figure out who you serve best and who you enjoy serving the most. And then you have to have accountability. You have to have accountability to yourself that you're going to do the daily blocking and tackling necessary to grow. The biggest thing for me was focusing on growth. And that's, you know, that's investing too. It's, it's the magic of compounding interest. It didn't matter to me where I started as long as each quarter and each year I was growing by a reasonable double digit percentage. You, know, you do the math on a financial calculator, 10 years later, you're going to be somewhere pretty special 
regardless of the number that you start with. Yeah. But Chris, I want to give you some credit. You have to be special to understand that journey, right? Like a lot of people are so quick to say, I need this or I need that today. But when you start compounding it, you're right. And I give you a lot of credit that you saw the forest through the trees. I, th- I think regardless of industry, regardless of career, the the saddest thing, and, and we all know people like this, I think the worst thing is people who give up a moment too soon. Yep. And you'll you'll never know for sure who that is because they gave up. But if you can dig deep, if you can find that intestinal fortitude to really just plow through and also self-examine, what am I doing wrong? What can I improve upon? What did I contribute to putting me in this current situation? Self-awareness and emotional intelligence are so underrated in, in our industry and in life and in business in general. There's so many people who think they never do anything wrong. And, you know, it's just even the best of us make so many mistakes. We just want to fall forward, fall forward. Yeah. But self-aware, you talked about that earlier. And I think that I'm glad you went back to that because that is so critical to the success. So being self-aware, like 2023, you know, you're going to have your best year after your best year. What's the future? What has you juiced up right now? Like, where is it going? Like, where do you see yourself in five, three? You know, what is it? I know you're bringing a lot of heat every day. You're, you're focused. Uh, you're probably more focused today, if it's possible, than when you needed to be more focused in the beginning. So tell me where it's going. The, the biggest thing for me, and, and we also had a, had a conversation about this maybe a, a year ago or so, um, but, you know, I had to be so focused on myself for so long. And because if I didn't, I don't know where exactly I would have, I would have been in life at a bare minimum. I would have been somewhere that I wasn't happy with, or I didn't feel that I was successful. So that wasn't an option for me. And so your survival instincts kick in, your hard work kicks in, the ability to critique because you have no other choice because you have to fix the problem. All of that kicked in, all those instincts. Now, what I have to get better at is worrying less about me and giving as much of myself as possible to those around me. And I, I, I think I'm okay at it. I definitely could be better at it. And, you know, I'm so proud of the people I work with every day. The word I hate the most in this business is staff because there's, you know, staff has this connotation that we're not in this together. You know, I have partners or advisors on my team and I have internal team members who don't get in front of the the client, but they play critical roles in delivering incredible client service. And we can have a whole conversation about the importance of client service, but their success is my success. And I need to kind of figure out how to drive the we gas pedal down more and let my foot off the me gas pedal 
a little bit more. And I haven't perfectly figured that out yet, Paul. Well, it's awesome. I love how I love the we, me. I'll, I'm going to steal that one. But, you know, my dad said to me when I was a kid, he always used these, these isms, right? And he said, hey, these isms are around in life because they're true. So that's why they lasted. You know, there's probably 50 of them. But the one I think of is the more you give, the more you get, right? The we, me. And I think when you take this journey, and I love that, and, and what a way to end this show. But when you take this journey, Chris, and you know, wife, two beautiful daughters, that's your family that you're building and your extended family, but then you have your, your family at your firm and the we, me thing, you will, you will blow through any goal when you have that uh, mentality. So, all right, last thing, one piece of advice for someone, you know, a veteran in this business or someone brand, brand new, last last thing that you would tell them that they need to uh, do immediately when they hang up from the show or they stop listening? Before we get there, I, I, you know, I don't want a whole podcast to go by. You mentioned my, my beautiful family and I, I have to mention the important role my, my wife's played and my yes. entire family have, have played in, in my success because she was there for me when I wasn't a success in career and in financial circumstances. Number one, I'll tell you, and this goes to persistence. We uh, were in a relationship. We ended up parting ways due to my uh, stupidity of uh, decision-making. I was in my, my early twenties. I wanted to kind of see what else was out there, et cetera. So you weren't self-aware. I wasn't self-aware. I didn't, I didn't realize I was punching above, uh, above my weight there. And, uh, when I did realize it, I said, that's a goal. I got to fix this. I got to make this happen. And it took years of persistence and effort to reconnect. So worth it. It was so worth it. And when I was just starting my financial career. I had somewhere between five and $10,000 in, in credit card debt that I had accumulated through going to school, working. And she said, Hey, I don't want you paying interest every month. Here's, here's the money. Like let's pay this off and let's begin our, our, our journey together. So I couldn't have gotten here without her help, her support, her, her believing in me. And, um, I owe her a great deal. Wow. That's amazing. And, uh, Congratulations on all your success. Guys, Chris Kampitsis is an amazing success in this industry. I say it all the time, Chris, you're just beginning. You're just scraping the surface. I love the direction you're going. And uh, guys, if, if you are in this business and you're just starting out, or if you're a veteran in this business and you think of the definition of, or the name of the show, Small Steps, big wins. Chris is living that each day, not only as a professional in our industry, but in his life in general. So Chris, super proud of you. Thank you for being on this show. And uh, if you guys need anything, make sure you uh, look for Chris on social, on LinkedIn and Facebook, and make sure you follow this show. All right. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks again, Chris. Thank you for having me, Paul. Thank you for everything you do every day. You got it. Thank you for listening to Small Steps, Big Wins. 
Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Every bit helps. You can also follow us on Instagram at Small Steps, Big Wins. All opinions expressed by the program participants are solely their current opinions and do not reflect the opinions their respective parent companies or affiliates or the companies with which the program participants are affiliated. Investments or strategies mentioned in this program may not be suitable for you, and you should make your own independent decision regarding them. This material does not take into account your particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs, and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for you. You should strongly consider seeking advice from your own investment advisor. Securities and investment advisory services offered through qualified registered representatives of MML Investor Services, LLC. Member SIPC, 6 Corporate Drive, Shelton, Connecticut, 06484, telephone number 203-513-6000.